0: This podcast is Shareable. Shareable is the podcast fueled entirely by curiosity. Every episode features exciting guests who share valuable advice and insights, how to guides, and practical takeaways. Join me as I explore the awe-inspiring stories about overcoming the odds, the secret formulas that gave each guest their unique superpower, and the moments that remind us of our shared humanity. Get ready to be excited, delighted, and possibly even astonished, because this podcast is Shareable. Welcome back to Shareable. As you know, I'm your host, Jeff Gibbard, and today with me, I have Jenna Harrison, and it is so nice to have you on the show. I have to ask you, what is the dent you wish to make in the universe?
1: Oh my gosh, what a great question. You are a man after my heart. That is so nice. First of all, so great to be here. Yeah. Um, I really believe that the world will be a much, much brighter, better place when more women are empowered to live their uncommon way and create really unique lives of their choosing.
0: Let's explore all of that. First of all, what is an uncommon way? Why? What does that mean?
1: Yeah. So often we tend to go with the flow. That's absolutely how we're wired. That's how we're conditioned. It makes sense that we just go along with what we've been brought up with, what other people around us are doing. And while fewer and fewer people, thank God, are doing that in this day and age compared to, for instance, when I was growing up, we still have it kind of invade our psyche in ways that we don't quite fully understand. And so I often say, I mean, this is a common metaphor, but it's like we're in a fishbowl in the ocean. And so we think we have unlimited choice and unlimited possibilities, but really we can't see that there's a glass fishbowl around us and that is our mind.
0: Got it. Okay, so that's, so the uncommon way is kind of shattering the fishbowl to a certain extent, right? It's, it's, being able to swim more broadly in that, in the oceans of ideas and possibilities. Yes. So the the uh, other part of what you said was that it's a specific focus on women. And Correct. I buy that, but tell us why you think that's an important part of the mission in the dent.
1: Everything about us in terms of the way that we're wired and the way that we're conditioned that make it so difficult for us to branch out and become entrepreneurs or do things differently or shine with our true superpowers is amplified with women just because of the way we're brought up. And if you think about it, every woman on this planet, all of our ancestors reproduced because we were people pleasers. Because we got along, because we didn't stand out too much, we didn't rock the boat, we didn't shine, we were humble, we took care of our families, and all of that's been passed down to us. So any woman entrepreneur nowadays is breaking so many norms, but is also going against everything in her wiring in order to do this. I think it's really monumental, and I really want to support anyone that's doing that.
0: I love it. And I'm sure at some point during our discussion, as we get deeper and deeper into this, we can talk about the uh, individual aspect of this, but also the systemic aspect of it and, you know, how much patriarchy uh, really contributes to and and limits those choices and, um, you know, what women entrepreneurs can do uh, to sort of break out of that mold. Where I want to start, though, is um, and because there's so much here for us to talk about. Let's start with you, though. You obviously didn't just kind of start yesterday in this right there there's a there's a background to this there's a reason for the dent you want to make in the world and i've read a little bit about your background and i think it's a very interesting background that kind of speaks to why you're interested in what you're interested in but could you kind of give a brief background of your origin story the important parts that kind of lead us up to why this is the choice you've chosen to make in terms of the dent you wish to make in the universe
1: Sure. Absolutely. And by the way, it took me many decades to develop the clarity of connecting the dots in hindsight. But I think it's wonderful because when I think about it that way, what I see is that the dots are always there and I think they're there for all of us even when we're going through it. And if we could just step back and get the objectivity that time creates for us, usually, then we're able to see how all of these pieces are lining up. So in hindsight, it's easy for me to see that I grew up in a military background. And so back in the day, even the spouse and the children would show up on the fitness reports, which are like the performance evaluations, for the military members. So there was a line of thinking that was sort of like, well, if they can't control their family, how are they going to move into command? right? If things are going haywire. So there was a lot of pressure on spouses and, and children to kind of toe the line and stay within the rails and do all the right things. While well, growing up in that environment, of course, I wanted to rebel <laughs> constantly. I stayed within the the manageable rails. My, my dad was able to do well in his career, but I just, oh, it just made me burn inside. And I really looked for exchange trips and all the possibilities, all the ways that I could be different enough. And what I noticed growing up later was that I was one of those people that really didn't fit into the mold, for instance, the mold of the nine to five. And so even though I was able to excel in that realm, it wasn't, it just felt like my soul was dying. I have this memory of sitting under fluorescent lights and just feeling like they were sucking my soul out of me. And I could look out of my office window and I was looking at the, uh, there's a green market in union square in New York, and I could see the colors changing with the seasons. And I just thought that was life out there. And yet here I was (laughs) dying inside pretty dramatic. I have a flair for the dramatic. And, um, it just made me long for a different kind of life. And of course this is 20 years ago. So, um, more and more people are doing it now. Not so much back then.
0: I feel that with a passion just because to me my one of the gates of hell is going through fluorescent lights uh, i'm on the autistic spectrum and i have some sensory issues and one of them is that fluorescent lights make me just want to curl up under my desk so i feel that like real hard uh, and also getting out in nature and and just breathing fresh air is like so reinvigorating um i you know i sit in the corner of my living room for a good portion of the day and there are times where i take my dog out in the middle of the day and you know she might have just interrupted me on something I'm kind of annoyed that she interrupted me, but then I get outside and I'm like, oh, right, right, right. My, my life should not just be in the corner of my living room, uh, in front of zoom meetings. So I feel that really hard. Um, but, but I, you know, I also appreciate that kind of not directly said in your background, you're, you do kind of point to somewhat traumatic experiences, somewhat difficult, um, circumstances that kind of led you to behave in a certain way, like you felt confined and you wanted to kind of burst out of that. And I found with so many people, when they find that calling, it's like, sometimes it's, it's a response to what they don't want more so than it is an ability to see what it is that they do want. And you spoke a lot about, um, you mentioned something about people not being able to see their clarity and you, you know, you highlighted the visceral experience that you had. And I have always been very clear about where I want to go but I have found in my life that a lot of people have a difficulty connecting those dots. You said the dots are always there. So I'm wondering, do you believe that being able to connect the dots is a learned skill? It is something that some people innately have. It's something that you need an external person to help you connect. Like, the, how do we deal with those dots? How do we make them into you know, a painting rather than just a series of disconnected dots?
1: such a great question yes i was a person that did not have the innate ability to connect the dots and so i spent two decades really berating myself for not being able to find the thing and find my purpose and then like i said what i realized in hindsight is that the dots were always there and i wasn't able to see it so i do think that it's wildly helpful to have an outside perspective for somebody that can help you connect the dots that's one of the things i love to help people with But I also now know that there is often a part of our brain that actually doesn't want us to connect the dots. Because when we connect the dots, of course, then we can take action on what we now know, on what we're clear on. And so I think that that is so much of the game is just unwinding what might be keeping you back from the clarity that is always within.
0: How do you help people see it? How do you help people see the frustration or the fear or the tension or the things that are causing them to not have clarity? Because I'd imagine people don't come to you when they're just loving life. Like they're just, Oh, everything's perfect. Right. The people that are working with you to find the uncommon way are probably stuck in a common way and they are feeling trapped. They're feeling something, but they probably can't differentiate between like, what's your process? What's your approach to dealing with that?
1: Yeah, so there are two different types of people that come to me, one of them specifically know they want clarity, and they're like, I can't figure this out. Maybe it's I don't know what I want to do. But sometimes it's just I can't figure out exactly who my people are. I can't figure out exactly what my offer should be. But there is a clarity component. Other people, however, come to me saying, I don't know why I don't have more clients. I don't know why this is so difficult or why my messaging isn't landing. And almost always there's some clarity component in there that they've been ignoring in favor of the symptoms rather than looking at the root cause. But what I like to do is to, first of all, some people come to me and they're like, I know this is it. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Other people, I like to take them back through the course of their life and start to see, to look at the themes of the events that happened. So rather than the specific instances, so what? Like, why did that memory stick in your brain? Why was that important? And so often you'll get these flashes. Well, I always say that you and I could live through the same thing and you will remember it and I'll completely forget it and it's because our brains are all wired and conditioned and because of our experiences, we are meaning making machines and your brain will attach to that memory and make meaning of it in a certain way and and mine just won't. But if we can look at all those memories and start to pull out the themes, we'll see that that thing that happened when you were seven has a lot in common with what happened with you were 17 and then 27 right? And if we're looking at what, the, what it really meant, the why, why is that important? Why is that important? Why is that important? You will be able to see certain themes flowing throughout your life, maybe three to five that keep coming up again, that your brain keeps trying to solve and it keeps trying to make meaning of that. And that really, you can then, when people can look at it like that and they can say three to five things Almost always, 99.9% of the time, if I ask them a question, like which one is the one that really is activated for you, that you really feel drawn towards like trying to make this difference in the world, they will say that one. They'll be able to point to it. And then we reverse engineer from there to, okay, what is the market offer that will help people in this way and and satisfy your, you know, your proof of concept.
0: When you think about the other side of success with this, so you help people to find that one thing that occurs to me is that, and this is partly as a result of, um, you know, I work for myself and I absolutely love what I do, but I could probably make more money if I chose other paths, right? So when we think about helping people define an offer and create a business and those sorts of things, do you ever find people are happy about the choice they've made because of the, the lifestyle that it provides them and the type of work they're doing, the meaning and satisfaction, but underwhelmed about the financial aspect? Or do you find that often those two kind of go in lockstep? Like meaning, do you often find that when you find your purpose, you're just overall happier? You probably make better money in general than you were. Like where, where is the intersection, I guess, between purpose and profit?
1: Yes. Great question. So the people, of course, it's different for everyone. And there are people that really just want to get out of their nine to five and they just want to have, right, they want to have more freedom. And so as long as they can satisfy their needs for shelter and food, they're thrilled. Some people are like that. The people that come to me, if you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and you're thinking about first, we need shelter, right? Then we really need status and recognition. Maybe that would be your your doctors or your lawyers that really appreciate, you know, are really craving that, that recognition. A lot of those people, for them, it's really difficult to transition into, for instance, being a coach or something else because they're losing what they perceive to be a lot of status and recognition. But the people that come to me tend to be on the part of the pyramid where really what they care about is self-actualization. And so they did pretty well in corporate. They're really not doing this for the money because like you said, they would just be, they could earn money in corporate without a problem. They just really are knowing that there's some evolution of their soul moving through them that they really want to express and that they're really here for something. Life is short and they're here to make an imprint in the world. Yeah. And so the question about then will they be earning less? I believe that's temporary. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I agree with you. And I, and I also think when we think of the um, definition of success or wealth, if we expand that definition to include happiness and joy and, you know, lifestyle and health and all those sorts of things, um, I, I, I can't imagine how making the choice to do what your heart is calling you to do could lead to anything other than than more success. You know, yes. there are there you know, there's definitely the I followed my passion and now I'm broke crowd. But I think when we're talking about systematically approaching it, trying to find a market fit, trying to brand yourself and position yourself, knowing who you're for and all of those things, when you expand clarity to include those things, it's not just kind of like you know, a passion project. it's it's actually figuring it out. What I want to ask you about with regard to that, though, is um, I read on your website um, and some of your materials that there's, uh, there's a, a moniker that's been attached to you, uh, the queen of clarity, right? And I guess my question about that is when you find people who are good at a particular thing, so I'm assuming the thing that you are really excellent at is, is inquiring people, helping them identify what that is and helping them get clear and then helping them take that clarity to launch their business. So my question for you though, is, is that a superpower that you can teach others to do, or is it something that you just have like a knack for doing it? Um, And I ask that because what I think is um, fascinating is the, the dividing line between something that is innate and something that is teachable. And I'm curious where you kind of fall on that line, especially since you said that a lot of this was a learned skill for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm, great question. No one has ever asked me that before. And so I'm going to be kind of contemplating it and speaking at the same time, which is perfect.
0: That's this brilliant. is the purpose of my yes. show is to actually ask real questions that yes. get that sort of a response. So thank you. I'm I'm glad that this is happening live here.
1: Yes. Yes. So to be honest, I do know that I get downloads. I call them. And so I can, I really can see into my client's future sometime. And at least I see, really see their secret sauce very clearly and see their superpowers. And I am very skilled at helping people build belief and break down unhelpful beliefs over time. Um, and I do also believe that clarity is within. And so it's really not about me showing them where they need to go. It's me accelerating the process of where they're going. So I do think that anybody that, um, and in fact, I do have some uh, people that do help me coach sometimes. And as they're asking, there are certain questions that people can't help but reflect upon and further their clarity with. So I guess it's a gray area because yes, absolutely anyone can help someone with clarity i'm sure you've experienced this for yourself where even just as you're talking through your own questions to someone or even just if someone's asking you questions that help you reflect you become more and more clear just as i'm doing right now right um and then also there are times where it seems to come from elsewhere i don't know what that elsewhere could be if it's a higher power or if it's just a part of our brains that we don't normally access but that all of a sudden, even the words that you're saying to your client surprise you.
0: Yeah, I, what resonates for me with that is that it feels a bit like, even if you were to give everybody all of the same actions that you took, all the same questions, and you could teach them your methodology through and through, there's something about the entirety of the makeup that is you, all of the little grooves in your brain, the experiences you've had, the you know the the past. Um, successes and failures, all of those things that are uniquely you allow you amidst those different patterns and dots to see something that only most likely you could see. Maybe somebody else could be within a, a zone of of similarity to your observation, but that it is your unique perspective combined with that, that you're picking out something. This is similar to what you said about before, the same event, somebody forgets, somebody else remembers in the same line of questioning. You're asking something that maybe other people would ask, but you're seeing something different in the response. Maybe you're picking up on body language. Maybe you're picking up on a particular word that's been used. And that's something that only your brain in that moment probably could have done. So I think that's probably where I land on it. That's probably what's occurring uh, to me. That that's, Because I'm thinking of myself also, I do a lot of brand work and I I could give people my template. I tell people exactly what it's about. I can explain every part of my methodology, Um, but I I can't have other people write the words that I write because they're not firing off in their brains, the way that they're firing off in mind. Um, so I think there is a little bit of um, magic there in that each person brings something unique. And I think that's probably also something that I would imagine factors into the way that you encourage people to take the leap because they have something unique that only they can bring.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've just seen it so many times that people will downplay their own superpowers and strengths, or they'll just consider it so normal. And doesn't everyone do this? And the you know people that come to me, it's not just they're just starting a business necessarily. I have people at six or seven figures that come to me as well. And they're saying something is off. There's some new thing moving through. I can't quite put my finger on it. And it's often about some part of themselves that they just are not fully recognizing.
0: Tell me more about specifically what you've noticed. In, do, you, do you also work with men, by the way?
1: I have worked with men. I okay. don't have them in my group programs because yeah. of place where yeah women are talking about women but yes one-to-one
0: yeah mainly that. I just wanted to know if, if you had like a a body of work with men and a body of work with women where you could contrast them or whether it was you, you had a, an exclusive group so I, I guess my question is in terms of working with women um what have you noticed that are some of the unique challenges that women will go up against that men that you've worked with don't or unique struggles or unique um opportunities even like what what is unique about working with women um mm-hmm with regard to specifically the things that they either have to overcome or that they have as advantages for themselves.
1: Mm, So good. Oh my goodness. So many pros and cons, of course. But there are there's a level of proof that women need that I don't see as much with men. And so this is, I think, the classic example of how, you know, they say if a man and a woman are going to apply for a job, there's very few women that will apply if they only have 60% of the right credentials met and so even if a woman has proof that she has whatever it is if she's you know done well for her clients provided a great service for her clients or that people are responding to her messaging or whatever it is there seems to be a, a man will be like good you know check the box did it, you know, I'm doing well. And the woman tends to be, but am I really, am I really? So there can be more second guessing.
0: Mm -hmm. Let me me just pause you on that because it's something that I've, I've, uh, I've talked to a lot of people about this. And when I coach people specifically, when I'm coaching people who don't look like me, who don't have the same background, white men, basically um, (laughs) I advise almost everyone that to just channel their inner white guy confidence, like, because white guy confidence is like it is the, uh, it is the I may not be qualified for this. I might be totally mediocre. I might be totally not fit for this, but I don't care because nothing has ever stood in my way to tell me I can't do that. And while it would be nice if actually there was just less white guy confidence out there, I think the only antidote that we can actually prescribe that might be useful is for other people to take the same kind of leap of, who cares? I'm just going to go for it. Because there's little chance that all these white guys are just going to stop doing it. And again, like this isn't like, I'm not trying to just rag on white dudes, but like we don't have those kind of barriers in front of us. We don't even see that. And other, every other group basically has, has at least one barrier that they can see is up in front of them. And the, the not applying for something because you're not qualified, just never has occurred to any of us white guys for the most part. So um, so yeah, I I just wanted to point that out that that's a thing that I say and I I specifically name it that um because there's just a difference there.
1: Yeah, interesting. That's so and I would say that of course there are barriers as well for white guys. I mean, the the patriarchy is everywhere and there are certain norms that absolutely don't fit you for all. Sure, with, for right? sure, for sure. Yeah. So um, just wanted to clarify that, that we're all on the same team working against like toxic, outdated norms that don't serve us. But you're right. I think that there are things that we could borrow. And it's interesting that you say that about white guys, because I have heard it since I work with so many people overseas as well. They'll say it's an American thing. Mm. So that's the label. That's very
0: possible. Yeah. Oh,
1: I can't do that. Or I can't, go out and try testing that thing because I'm not an American and you all have that innate confidence and you're willing to just fail and take risks and we aren't.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's um, the, the expression that bell hooks uses in her books uh, is uh, capitalist white supremacy, patriarchy, like the combination of those three things. And I think, you know, we could just say that that's American, I guess, but like, yeah, I think it's like the the culture, because what we're pointing to is like, and you brought this up at the beginning about the the unique struggles that women go through the, the sort of the the generations upon generations of the people pleasing this. those are all culturally imposed they're not innate to your dna and and they're passed I down think culturally
1: they might be innate to your dna have you I mean- there are amazing studies now about how trauma and right. And how epigenetic- oh,
0: generational trauma. Oh, for yes. sure. So there's yeah. also that. And then I was recently speaking with somebody about um, how there are personality traits that you're born with. Like it literally, like you cannot do any, they're not learned. They are just built into you. So yeah. something like 400 of them that like are just innately, they come with you.
1: Yes. And of course we can, we can override those or we can compensate for them with, but if we're just left on autopilot no we won't yeah. right and yeah. so that's the unwinding that that needs to take place is overcoming all of that and really it just a lot of it is objectivity if you watch someone's behavior i'll give you an example uh, i worked with a woman once and she really wanted help capitalizing on a platform called Nextdoor, and i took a look at her website and everything about it, just from my objective opinion, looked like it was dripping with scarcity, money scarcity. So even when she talked about her offerings, she was like, and then if this one's too expensive, you could do this. And then if this one's too expensive, you could do this. And so she didn't realize that she was really calling people in who were very, very concerned about the money. And so she now, right, when I talked to her, I said, actually, I don't think it's about the platform that you're advertising on. That's really the root of your problem. I think it's that you aren't quite value valuing your services. And so you're trying to talk to other people that wouldn't value your services. And so from there, that's how we just when someone's objective. Right. They can also say, why, right? The behaviors that you take for granted, they could ask, why do you think you're doing that? Right. Why do you think you wouldn't want to go for this? Why do you think it's easier for you to not shine or put yourself out there or, right, go on social media or do any of the things that the confident white male might do?
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, absolutely. I also realized that I interrupted you before in 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 that interlude, but um, I was asking you about some of the unique challenges and some of the unique assets. And I think you were talking a bit about some of the challenges, um, but I definitely want to make sure I made some space for some of the advantages that you think that women uniquely bring uh, when they find that clarity.
1: Yeah. So I do think that, and um, again, these are you know, individuals are individuals, but I have seen a really beautiful, um, uh, cooperation among women. And so I have seen that they have really, um, that they've, that they're very interested in giving everyone a hand up around them and working well and sharing information and networking and really, allowing for kind of the things you were talking about before—questions about what does true success look like, and how would we change this world for the better if we weren't just doing things the way we've been brought up to do things, right? What would, um, how would we actually give back to our communities? How would we actually make sure that our clients are fully taken care of? And there's a level of of um, kind of holistic. Thoughtfulness that goes into the businesses they're creating and also the way that they're showing up Uh, with integrity. Like I said, this can be sometimes an Achilles heel. It can lead to a little too much perfectionism, a little too much caution, but other times it can create really beautiful products and really beautiful lives, quite frankly.
0: That's fantastic. Well, I have um, only a little bit of time left with you, and I want to make sure that I am able to fit in a few additional things. So, one thing I want to ask you about is just some very practical value and practical tips that you can offer to people, your experience, the things you've done working with your clients. What are some um, sort of tangible um, takeaways and tips that you can give to people that are maybe struggling to find out what they're supposed to be doing or figuring out how to gain clarity about their message or maybe gain clarity about themselves? Where? Mm-hmm. What are some kind of practical, tangible things you might uh, offer to people, questions, comments, et cetera?
1: Yeah. Great. So I always start with mindset because it all starts with mindset. So the first most important thing when you're struggling, if you're struggling with clarity is to just tell yourself the clarity is within, right? That shift in belief right there, that actually it's there, it can change everything for you, right? It can start to put your brain into problem solving mode rather than just focusing on the problem and lamenting the problem. So start with that, that the clarity is there. What do I know? what do I already know? And how could this actually be true? And start digging. And then if you are thinking that you're like, you just wish that you could get clear on something specific, like I just wish that I could get clear on who my best people would actually be, like who would actually appreciate this offer? Who would I be making the biggest impact with in the world? For instance, then I would say what we've been talking about this whole time is that go back to what you're really doing. Like, what is your mission? And so often this gets what people are like, I don't have time for that flowery mission statement stuff. You know, sometime when I'm a corporation, maybe I'll take care of that. But the truth is, is that when you know what that is, not only can you best align with the people that actually care about that as well, but you have the opportunity to create subconscious resonance with your people. And so people are looking consciously for the, you know, a solution to the problem that they need solved. But deep down, we all make buying decisions based on emotion. And so they're really looking for some subconscious fit as well. For my people, that's the uncommon way right? They come to me for help with their businesses and help with clarity. But the reason they really stick around is because, yeah, I do want to build my business differently the way that I want to build it. And I do want to create this unique life. And it really isn't just about like fitting it into this cookie cutter model necessarily. And so I would recommend like really going back and asking yourself also for, especially if you're a woman, for anything that seems unclear. What if I, like, how would things change if I fully believed fill in the blank? Whatever feels most unbel- unbelievable to you. So what if I fully believed that this was going to be successful? Then what would I be doing? What if I fully believe that these people that actually wanted this content for me, what if I believed that people actually want this offer and are dying for this offer? How much more likely would I be to can stay on that sales conversation, even when they say, Oh, I'm a little worried about the money. So, what? If you really believe they really want the offer, you'd be able to stay there and talk them through that and talk about it with them. Um, so many ways that your beliefs about how strongly your offer fits your right people and how much you are the one to do it will influence. So many of the behaviors and decisions you make. So really go back and help yourself see what that fear is and then just switch it around. What if I did believe?
0: I love this. And part of it is because, so when I do brand work, I start with what I call North Star branding. And that's because I believe when you really deeply understand what your purpose is and it's real, not like an exercise that you do and it's cutesy and whatever, you're not gonna abandon that because it's real. It's deep in your soul. So you're gonna keep pursuing that direction. And no one needs to ask you to do it. So it becomes authentic. So when it, when you meet adversity, the idea of throwing it away doesn't make sense because you'd be throwing away a part of yourself. So getting really deep into it, that becomes your north star, guides you. And then you're able to sit in that conversation because if they don't want it, you just think to yourself, that's fine. I'm looking for my people, but let me tell you more about it. And then you can, you know, you tell me if that's not your thing. So you're able to, to sit in that discomfort a little bit longer when you have that, that deeply held authentic purpose right there. So I'm 100% resonating with that. Um, if we were to look at everything that we've talked about so far, take the, the sum total of it all. If you were to pull out one clear takeaway that you want someone listening to this episode to walk away with a belief, an idea, a tangible tactical tip, what is the one clear takeaway that you'd want someone to take away from this episode?
1: If you're not clear, they're not clear.
0: Yeah. That's that's perfect. That And it's brilliant. And that's also very clear. Um, so I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, awesome. Well, um, I want to make sure I have some time to fit in this. Uh, I like to do a little segment I call the shareables. Uh, so the shareables are just basically the ideas. Uh, what do we share online? We share things that we recommend that we like. So I like to just pick out a few things that I'm always in search of adding more to my list of things. Uh, this kind of helps generally shape my own algorithms that I get. Um, so I'm gonna ask you about a few recommendations of things and uh, see if you would, wouldn't would mind passing along some recommendations to people. So here we go. Okay. Um, so what's something you've read recently uh, or at any point that you would recommend that people read?
1: Yeah. Um, I would recommend reading The Soul of Money by Lynn Twist. And she is talking about a concept called sufficiency. We hear so much about abundance and scarcity but we don't realize that the bridge between the two is sufficiency. And that's not how she's talking about it in her book necessarily, but I've found relatively little written about sufficiency itself and the way that she writes about it. First of all, just the way she writes puts my nervous system on calm mode right away. It's so beautiful, but also what she shares is so valuable about how she's watched money move throughout her decades as a corporate philanthropist or as a nonprofit philanthropist working with corporations and the poorest of the poor. It's fascinating.
0: That's awesome. There's a blog post on Medium by a local uh, Philadelphia uh, business owner. He owns an SEO agency called Seer, and he wrote a uh, series of posts called Enough. And it's such an interesting look about like why we don't, when is it enough, right? Like when do you feel like you have enough? And we're in such a constant mode of like feeling like we have to build a safety net for our safety net for our safety net that like enough is like, very uh very hard to actually grasp. So I'm I'm with that. I think that's really interesting. I'll add it to my list. Uh what's something you've listened to that you would recommend it could be a podcast, audiobook, uh, you name it, as long as it's something you could listen to.
1: Yeah. So actually I love the movie Frozen Two. And it's called Into the Unknown. As you can tell, I have young children or young child. But I think that it is such a great representation of how much we tend to hold ourselves back from our greatness. And that's that's Elsa's story in that episode. And it's just, I I even joked with a friend at one point, I'm like, well, I don't need to coach anymore. I'll just tell all my clients to go watch this movie because that's it in a nutshell.
0: That's fantastic. <laughs> so good. Um. All right, good one. Uh, yeah. What is something you've watched that you would recommend? It could be a TED talk, it could be a YouTube video, it could be a movie, it could be a TV show. It doesn't matter. Something that you've watched that you think other people should know about.
1: You know, there's a um, documentary that was made recently, uh, George Carlin, the comedian and by Jed Apatow. And I found it fascinating how often George Carlin recreated himself and Moved in order to move closer to his truth, something you and I both right mm-hmm. believe in. And each time he would probably, he would be alienating a large portion of his audience. And he was able to take that risk anyway. And every time he did, he just became more successful, which I love. And it's just such an interesting um, documentary to watch through that lens.
0: I love it because I love George Carlin. Love, love, love. I've seen every single standup. Uh, that is available that you can see, uh, and I've seen him live. Um, so I am 100% behind that. And I, I read somewhere that he created a new special every year, or he created a new full series of material every year or something like that. Um, I don't know if that's exactly true, but um, it really does show like the commitment to the craft to just throw away all of your old material and just start over. Um, so yeah, amazing. Um, okay, final uh, question of the shareables, which is uh, what's something that you've learned that you think is really interesting, and it doesn't have to be a life lesson. It could just be like that random thing that you saw on YouTube, and you're like, "Did you know that you know the uh, funnel web spider?" Blah blah. Like literally anything that you just think is like, "Oh, that's interesting."
1: Yeah, there's something that's blowing my mind now that I'm not really seeing any people talk about, and maybe that's just because of the algorithm bubble, right? But there apparently, Harvard scientists have now understood fully and completely exactly how cells age, and it's completely different than what we always thought. And not only that, using this, they've been able to rewind the biological age in mice by 57%, and they're already now moving on to primate studies, which I find fascinating. So I think that a lot of us are gonna have our minds blown with how long we might actually be living. It may not be what we expected, it may be much longer. That is nuts. I
0: know. Uh, okay, I wow.
1: know. How is everyone not talking about this?
0: Yeah, that's nuts. I mean, probably because my, my cynical standpoint on it is that if that technology is available, it will be available to like 1% of the population. Everybody mm-hmm. else is going to live normal human lives. And it's going to be just a handful of people who live around for like 250 years. So um, it will
1: certainly being a lot of ethical dilemmas. No yes, doubt.
0: Yes, for but certain.
1: Still amazing technology that we need to be talking about.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm going to go look into it uh, because I love something good to Google and just hyper on for an hour. So thank you for that. Um, well, take a moment now to just share where people can get in touch with you, learn more about what you're doing, find you leading the way, where can people go and get in touch with you?
1: Absolutely. It's so easy to find me. My website is The Uncommon Way and all of my social handles are The Uncommon Way and I have a biz, I have a podcast called the Uncommon Way Business and Life Coaching Podcast.
0: Perfect. Easy to find you. And it will all be in the show notes. Nice and easy for people to just swipe and uh, click be able to find you. All right. So I like to end uh, the show on gratitude. This is one of my favorite parts of the entire show because it does not involve me at all. I just get to sit back and watch, but uh, I wrote a book called the lovable leader. And when I say the lovable leader to people, I find that that term really resonates with people because they immediately kind of think back to someone in their life who that term kind of fits the bill. And the way I describe a lovable leader in my book and in life is that it's someone who cares. It's someone who deeply actually really cares about you. They, they are someone who, Trusts you and you trust them. And they're someone who provides safety for you on the way to um, pursuing and accomplishing big goals, making it safe for you to fail along the way. So, with that in mind, when I say the lovable leader, I want you to think of someone from your life. And what I do next is I mute myself and I give you the opportunity to talk directly to them. This is the part in the show where you can speak directly to that person and thank them or whatever you want to say to them for the contribution they made in your life, just a moment of gratitude between you and that person and uh and i just get to sit back and watch it
1: okay honey i didn't expect to be talking to you right now when i'm asked about leaders and influences i usually go back to teachers but i'm going to talk about you my husband right now because there is something amazing you do which is provide this calm level of support and leadership And there have been so many times early in my journey when I didn't know what was going to happen, and you were able to just calmly say, we don't have all the information yet. We don't have all the information. Nothing has gone wrong. Let's just keep going. Let's find out more information. And you've just been my rock. And I'm so grateful to have had you with me on this journey.
0: So tell me. What was most valuable or useful for you in this episode? Send me a message or hit me up on social media. I'm easy to find, but there's links in the show notes just to make it easy. Seriously, I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, there's a couple things you could do, starting with subscribing to the show. And after that, head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate the show five stars and leave a review. Consider sharing this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. Or just buy me a latte or an old-fashioned by hitting up that tip jar. If you're looking for a good book to read, may I suggest The Lovable Leader, which covers how to build great teams with trust, respect, and kindness. It's built exclusively for brand new managers and it's a handbook that will serve you well in your journey of leadership. Just search for Lovable Leader wherever books are sold online. And finally, if you're interested in working with me or checking out any of my other projects, go to jgibber.com. That link as well as every other link mentioned will be found in the show notes. Stay safe, be kind. And seriously, share this episode with someone. I'll see you on the next episode of Shareable. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm.